On this episode of the Oklahoma Breakdown with Hiker and Lehman, presented by First Fidelity Bank, we jump right into local college football news, the Big 12's 9 plus 1 schedule, how the format affects OU football, we give you OU injury updates, and Oklahoma State's back on the field. In the National College Football Roundup, we discuss the NCAA actually doing something, the Big 10 schedule, the SEC's training camp format, high-profile players opting out, and give you an update on the Pac-12 players' demands. We wet the beak with odds from this weekend's PGA Championship, give you our winners and losers of the week, and discuss the Oklahoma City Memorial Marathon going virtual and keeping it local. Please download and subscribe to the podcast, rate it five stars, and write us a good review. Follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Just search Oklahoma Breakdown on any of those, and you'll find us. All right? Our man Michael Hosty will kick this thing off. It's time for the Oklahoma Breakdown. It's a beautiful Thursday, August 6th, and you're listening to the Oklahoma Breakdown with Iker and Lehman, presented by First Fidelity Bank. First Fidelity Bank is a full-service financial institution based in Oklahoma with tailored solutions for all your personal and business needs, checking accounts, saving accounts, home loans, and much more. They do it all. Whether it's online banking from your computer or mobile banking from your phone, everything is stress-free with FFB. Making mobile deposits, paying bills online, and moving money to different accounts couldn't be easier. First Fidelity Bank provides free ATMs worldwide, making banking convenient wherever you are. And how about these offers for new customers? If you open a new checking account or savings account, they give you $200. If you open both a new checking and savings account, they give you $500. Free money, baby. They also give back to the community. FFB donates a total of more than $500,000 to local charities and educational foundations. Make your life easier and go bank with First Fidelity Bank. Visit ffb.com for more information. Now we're recording this on Wednesday night. The Thunder Lakers game is in the fourth quarter. Teddy, JaVale McGee is a complete asshole and tried to ruin Steven Adams' career, and I wanted to murder him when he did it, but it seems like Steven Adams is okay, even though that did not look good. But I, the Thunder doing a really good job of getting to the free throw line, have a big advantage there. LeBron James still, uh, still pretty good at this whole basketball thing, but I, I wouldn't say this is the best three-point shooting I've ever seen in an NBA game by either team. My goodness. Yeah, well, Thunder have not shot the three very good here in the last couple of games. But, man, I so Thunder had a nice little lead, and I'm kind of looking down, going through some notes and stuff, and I look up, and they're playing a replay of Steven Adams getting rolled up and, and tangled there with JaVale McGee. And I, I was like, oh, my God. The way his foot got caught under him, I was like, oh, please do not be a foot injury because that looks nasty. 
Yeah, so you texted me that- and you were like, did he just Liz Frank his foot? And I was like, you shut your mouth. <laughs> I'm glad, man. Uh, that's a, I can't imagine on a foot that's like this long, like the surgery on a Liz Frank would be treacherous. So I'm glad that it was just like a, a knee or something around there that he was up and moving and able to get back in the game. But yeah, I was, I was nervous there for a couple of moments. Yeah, and the, the Lakers already have the number one seed in the West locked up. So I, I wouldn't say they look overly motivated, especially Anthony Davis. But, hey, when you're playing the team that's the top seed in the West and you're taking it to them pretty much the entire second half, you got to feel good if you're a Thunder fan. And it's been fun to watch. One thing that really stands out to me as I watch the Thunder in the bubble they got some damn athletes, yeah. and young, athletic, energetic. Uh, they roll through those guys, too, and this is all without Schroeder because he left to see the birth of his kid. What a loser. But it, it, they're, still, they're still a fun team to watch. Now, if they could start shooting the three a little better, I'd feel, I'd feel a whole lot better. But overall, I know this. No one wants to play them in the playoffs. I mean, they've got so much length and athleticism, versatility defensively. I, I don't think anyone wants to see him, especially in the first round. No, I agree with you 100%. Um, and you know what? Honestly, for where they sit right now, I think they're going to get probably the best matchup that you could ask for for the first round of the playoffs if it ends up being Utah. I mean, just don't feel very good about Utah right now. So, hey, let them have home court. Not going to matter at all there in the bubble. So that, that could be a fun series if that ends up being what we have. Don't have to go play in – do you think they'll allow the virtual fans from Utah to do racist things it's during the playoffs? It's a good question. If they want to make this a true live environment, then absolutely. I think they'll be <laughs> – you think, you think having wearing, Black like, Lives Matter on the court and then having the racist Utah fans on the street, that's kind of – I feel like that kind of goes against what this whole bubble thing is focused on right now. Maybe that's just me. Bad taste if the Utah fans have like the Nazi patch around the arm and like clan hats on for the virtual. Dude, what fans. is I, like in all seriousness? It, it seems like it's always the Utah fans, right? Like I'm not just <laughs> like I didn't just invent that. Like they they've got some history, right? It's <laughs> a little do. ew. They do. Even their own players have said that. Yeah. Thunder fans would never, never. All right, Ted, we got a lot, a lot to talk about in the college football world. So let's get to our local college football news first, and that is presented by Will and Wiley Hard Seltzer. Guys, stop acting like you're too manly and just accept it. Hard seltzers are amazing, and there's only one hard seltzer that we drink on this podcast, and that is Will and Wiley Hard Seltzer from Coop Aleworks. It's perfect for any occasion. We drink it by the pool, at the lake, and at the tailgate. It's made in Oklahoma, and it is absolutely delicious. Will & Wiley is customized for the Oklahoma lifestyle. Go find it right now in a store near you, and go follow them on social media at, at Will & Wiley. If you're drinking some because of us, tag us in your social media post. Let them know. Don't DM it to me like you people keep doing. I keep getting DMs of it. Like, no, you need to tag them in a tweet so that they, they know we, we're Let the reason the you're drinking see it. it. Let the world see it. Don't be scared. All right, Ted, the Big 12 schedule. The format is out. Is out Now, we do not know the dates and matchups. It could get a little, little reshuffled. That's kind of up in the air. But 
The Big 12 is going nine conference games plus one non-conference game that has to be played at the Big 12 team stadium. Now, conference games will start September 19th or September 26th. I think you and I would agree we prefer the 19th. The earlier, the better in our minds. Now, they did not nail down the date for the Big 12 title game. It's scheduled still for December 5th, but it could be pushed back to December 12th. If it gets bumped all the way back to December 19th, which is a possibility, then things get a little interesting because Texas high school football state championship games are supposed to be played at Jerry World on the 19th. So it's been floated out there that they could play at the Texas Rangers new ballpark, Globe Life Field. That doesn't seem ideal, although it would be outdoors, but I think it's well documented our feelings on football games and baseball stadiums. So are you telling me, when I first saw this in the rundown, I just assumed that what that meant was that the high school playoff games would be bumped to Globe Life Field. Are you telling me that the Big 12 championship would be bumped to a baseball field because of high school football? Is that what you're telling me, Gabe? Have you met the people that are involved in Texas high school football? And and I'm not just talking about the coaches and players. I'm talking about the parents and the athletic directors. Those people are insane in the best way, of course, to our friends in the state of Texas. We all know that they play a great brand of high school football in the state of Texas. Those people would lose their damn minds if if their precious children didn't get to play in the state championship game in Jerry World. They would lose their minds. Well, I really hope that they would bump high school games for the Big 12 championship, though. Like that, right? I say either have the high schools play outside or cancel the Big 12 championship. I don't want want them to play that at a baseball park. But you know what? Uh, Worst things have happened, so I guess it wouldn't be the end of the world. But, God, that would be horrible, wouldn't it? I mean, come on, man. How embarrassing would it be for the Big 12 whenever people tune in and say, oh, I thought they always played this at Jerry's World. Ah, funny, but Texas had a 4A state championship game at Jerry's World, so the Big 12 got booted. See, the interesting thing about Texas high school football is no one involved in it ever talks about how important it is to them, ever. So I'm sure it would never come up in the future if – the Big 12 championship game couldn't get played in there because Texas high school football state championships were happening. That would never come up. They would never mention that the rest of their lives ever, ever. What about, have you ever, you remember back, I don't know if they did this whenever you were in the NFL, but sometimes they would have little league games at the halftime of the NFL game. They'd go out there and each team would have like one series or something to run against the other. I know exactly what you're talking about. Maybe they could do that with the uh, Texas high school state championship, you know, during halftime of the big 12 championship, each team gets a series and they just go down the field like little leaguers. No, (laughs) we don't think they'd, they'd go for that. I, I, I legitimately think some people, that live in Texas, that listen to this, they would rather die than agree to that. No, I understand. I understand. So the Big 12 comes out with the 9 plus 1 format. So what's it mean for Oklahoma football? 
I mean, that's what we're really concerned about. I think, Teddy, we're on the same page here. There's no way in hell that Oklahoma plays on August 29th. Um, they want to play that non-conference game two weeks before conference play starts. So if conference play isn't starting until the 19th or 26th, that means that OU is going to play the 5th or the 12th. Now, it could be Missouri State on September 5th or the 12th, or it could be a replacement team, likely on the 12th. I think it'll be Missouri State. And these schools have been working together for months now. They've agreed to the testing protocols. They've done everything OU asks. And, and kind of the analogy that I've gone with is, Missouri State right now is like the woman that you can trust, right? <laughs> you know, like you've been with her for a while. You can trust her. Now, there may be like a more attractive option out there. Maybe. Like, a, you know, maybe. You mean but, every, every option out there is more attractive? <laughs> maybe. <laughs> but, but you could really trust Missouri State. But I, I know what you're saying. I just don't see – with the way that Joe Castiglione operates, and things can change. There can be a material change, right? There always can be. But I just don't see him ditching Missouri State at this point in time with how comfortable they are with the dialogue, the back and forth that, that's happened between these two schools. Am I crazy? Um, I don't think you're crazy. I think – I think all of that matters. The fact that they've been working and Missouri state has uh, been very flexible as to, to what they would do in order to play the game. And they've even said that they wouldn't come after Oklahoma um, legally if the game didn't happen this year. So I don't think you're crazy, but my one big question is, can Oklahoma make a college football playoff with Missouri State as their non-conference game. I, I mean, I can just – I can hear it right now. They can. They can. But – and I, I think this anyway, no matter who they play in the non-conference, because you've talked about the Big 12 really being at a disadvantage kind of with its reputation and not being able to have big-time non-conference opponents. They just have to go undefeated. That's it. If OU goes undefeated, they're in. I, an undefeated Oklahoma, Teddy, is not getting left out. They're just not. And Typically, I know. I would say I agree with you, but I don't know about this year. I mean, well, this, how many teams are going to go undefeated? That's the question. When you talk about the SEC playing a 10 game conference only schedule, that is going to be an absolute bloodbath, right? Probably one, most likely zero go undefeated. Right, so you get a team I'm from the SEC. Other than Oklahoma. Right. So, if they go undefeated, no one's going to care that they played Missouri State in the non-conference. If they run the table in the Big 12, no one's going to care that they played a cupcake in their opener. I don't know, dude. I, I think whenever you say no one's going to care, I think you – I didn't <laughs> say it would – I did not say it wouldn't be mentioned. I mean, the SEC – Herb Street and company were lobbying as hard as they could last year to have a two-loss Georgia in over Oklahoma. At this point, and I can't say I necessarily blame them, but at this point, 
they're looking for anyone but Oklahoma. A lot of people are. And if we've got Missouri State, and let's just say, for instance, Oklahoma beats Texas, um, Texas beats Oklahoma, or um, Oklahoma State beats – like, if, if there's, like – we're playing a two-loss team in the Big 12 championship, someone that we already beat, I just – I don't know, man. I, I wish they could schedule as tough a game as they can at the beginning of the game. I'm with you, though. I, I feel like if they go undefeated, there's a good chance, but I can't take it off the table that they'd be left out. I, I can't. I wish Man, I could. I know where you're coming from, but with everyone else essentially going conference only, we'll see if the ACC plays that plus one game. I, I still think that's very much up in the air. But I could just see everyone beating everyone else up, right? And But there, there's no doubt in my mind. There's a path for Oklahoma to the college football playoff with Missouri State being their non-conference game. There is – that path is 10 and 0. That's the only way. 9 and 1, not happening. You have to win every game. It's that simple. I mean, that's a discussion I assume Lincoln Riley and his team will have before the season is like, guys, listen, I know we're a one game at a time team, but to get to our goal, we can't lose a game. All right, no pressure, boys. Let's go play. Yeah. Now I, you I mean, see now you have me worried. You have well, me here's worried. The thing. I mean, and I'm not I'm not just trying to paint the worst case scenario, but the SEC, they're playing 10 conference games. Now, you know that everyone in the SEC, everyone on television, the majority of college football fans and people around it think the SEC is the greatest thing since sliced bread. And what? a lot of years it is. So, for instance, this year, Alabama is going to play Georgia, Florida, Auburn, LSU, Texas A&M. They're playing all of every single difficult team in the entire SEC. Which so, is why we don't need to worry about them, because they're going to lose two games. I think they're going to lose one. But here's the problem. Either Georgia or Florida, whoever it is, if they beat Alabama and – Alabama gets a rematch and beats them in the SEC championship game. They're both going to be in, right? We can agree on that. Yeah. That's so, hard to disagree with. Okay. If that scenario happens, then I, I feel very strongly that Ohio State's going to win the Big Ten. Way to go out on a limb there. That's three. I feel very strongly that Clemson's going to win the ACC. That's four. So if the Big 12 is won by Oklahoma and they're undefeated, you gotta you gotta bump you gotta convince folks to bump one of those teams. And with the schedule, with Missouri State as a non-conference, and who knows what the rest of your schedule looks like. I'm just saying it's not a guarantee. It would help to have a tougher game against Missouri State, but I'm starting to kind of lean your direction that it's. It's not going to happen. I want to make it clear that I want OU to play someone sexier than Missouri State. Like, I think we all want that. I just don't know with where we're at, kind of in this climate with the coronavirus and, and testing being the key, 
with Missouri State essentially bending over backwards and agreeing to every demand OU has made, I just don't know if you're going to find that with, say, a team from the American. Now, maybe they will. Now, one of the big questions about what the Big 12 will do is the conference schedule. Will they shuffle it up in some way? I'm really not sure what makes the most sense here. I don't know if playing games closer to start the season makes sense. I I don't know what they're thinking is going to be here. But if shuffled, our man Toby Rowland told us that OU Texas will still take place in the month of October. And just a reminder that that game is still going to be played at the Cotton Bowl there in Dallas. No intention of making that a home and home. So, I know that maybe some of these rivalry games could get moved around. I really don't care. Just play the schedule that you're dealt and just don't complain about it. Yeah. Just it, it's fine. You got to you got to be how many how many times have we heard this so far this year? You've got to be flexible, right, Gabe? We got to remain flexible. But I hope the schedule stays the way it is right now. And the reason is our schedule is really front-loaded. We go Baylor. We got Baylor, Texas, Oklahoma State, Iowa State, and TCU all right there at the beginning. And the reason I want it to be front-loaded is because I don't think there's a guarantee that you finish the thing. Everyone's talked over and over about not being able to finish the season. So if that's the case, I want to play all the best games, most competitive games as early as possible. So that would be my reasoning for – for having all this stuff right there up front. But, again, I agree 100%. you got to be flexible. If you find out that instead of playing someone at home, maybe you're on the road, or instead of playing someone late, now all of a sudden you've got to play them early. You're just going to have to eat it and roll on. Hey, one more thing. I I don't want to stay on the non-conference thing forever, but let me ask one final question. How much do you think money is involved? Because I think that, you know, obviously we're paying for Missouri State to come play, right? There's a contract to pay them to come in. If we got an American team to come play that was more appealing and they said they're, they're willing to play that we don't have to pay up front and maybe we can sell more pay-per-view subscriptions for that game, do you think that would tip? Josie's hand at all because I mean this is a year where you're trying to make as much revenue as you can everyone has their price Teddy (laughs) everyone has their price exactly true um this is this is a great saying that that I always keep in the back of my mind when we're talking about this stuff and if it makes dollars it makes sense there you go that's hey that's about as good as you can put it, Gabe. So if there is a better if, – if there's one thing I know about Joe Castiglione, if there's a better deal out there, he's not going to hesitate to take it. Now, he'll probably feel bad about it, and he'll apologize to our friends there at Missouri State, but it sounds like people are calling, so there could be some options. Now, I still think it's going to be Missouri State. I don't want it to be Missouri State. I would love to see them play a team from the American. That would be fantastic. But we're just going to have to wait and see. I I don't know when we're going to know. Hopefully here in the next week or so, 
this schedule will be nailed down and we will have something to discuss, right? But until then, uh, one other scheduling note, clearly OU Army is officially canceled, which is a huge bummer, but there is absolutely no doubt that that game will be rescheduled, hopefully for some time soon. I know so many OU fans were looking forward to making that trip to West Point, and it'll happen. It, it may be a few years from now. We don't really know, but it'll happen. It'll happen. It just really unfortunate. That was going to be so awesome, and it, it's a huge bummer for me personally because that game was supposed to be played on my 30th birthday. And we were going to kind of make a trip, birthday party, like me starting to get old bash out of that whole weekend. And clearly that's not going to happen. So I'm extremely bummed. I know you are too, Teddy. We were, we've, we've been talking about that trip for a long time and just wasn't meant to be, man. This, uh, the coronavirus is an asshole. It, it just really is. That's, I don't know if I can say it any better than that. Yeah, you can't. It sucks. It's, uh, I'll tell you though, the, the blessing in disguise is I'd rather reschedule that game and go play it at full capacity, full fans, get the full experience, um, not sitting in a hotel room wearing a mask for 48 hours and, you know, go into a stadium that's empty to play that game. That game is supposed to have a great feel to it. It's supposed to be an experience. Otherwise, why in the hell would you ever book a game to go on the road to play Army? So I think that's a, a benefit. And the other thing, you know, honestly, with limited – with no spring, with, uh, you know, limited summer and being able to be around these players, for our defense to not have to take an entire – uh, a week away from what we have to defend in conference and, and the offenses that we see all the time and even take time away from training camp to try and build a one-off defense to defend that team. This is not a good year for that. So that's, that's a really good point and something that people may not realize, Ted. When you're playing a triple option team during the season, you block out training camp practices to work on the scheme. And obviously it's a one-off game. Uh, once again, the triple option is a tool of Satan. But that takes time away from practice reps of, you know, simulating offenses that you are going to see week after week after week, you know, spread attacks. So that's a really good point that I hadn't thought about is that this allows Alex Grinch and that defensive staff and those defensive players to focus more on the offenses that they're actually going to see. Yeah. No, I mean, there's no doubt about it. And whenever you, you've got limited time, like I mentioned, no spring, uh, limited stuff throughout the summer, every single rep, every single practice is crucial. And you want, in a perfect world, you can build something every week and, and throw kind of a bunch of different stuff in there in training camp from opponents that you're going to see throughout the year. And it's not like a total one-off change on a given week. Because you can't just say, oh, hey, let's run five plays from army real quick in team period. You have to actually stop practice, train your scout offense on how to run the triple option to where it looks, you know, halfway decent. And it's just horribly time consuming in a year where 
we don't have a whole lot of time. We don't have anything to spare. So that is, that is one of the blessings in disguise here. No doubt. And now speaking of Oklahoma's defense, some injuries uh, that have been sustained in practice there for the Sooners. Caleb Kelly re-tears his ACL. Just really, really unfortunate. Uh, we've talked about Caleb before. He's a great kid. Who's on the watch list, right, for the Warfel Trophy. Uh, they don't just put slappies on that list. And he'd worked really, really hard to get back on the field. And I, I don't know what else to say other than you hate to see that for a kid like that who came to Oklahoma with such high expectations and didn't seem like he could find a position. And then it seemed like he had found kind of a niche and then just couldn't stay healthy, Ted. Kind of just a combination of bad things for Caleb Kelly, and I just I just feel bad for him. Yeah, it's incredibly frustrating. I know he's put a ton of work into making it back, a ton of rehab. I mean, you've been there before, Gabe. It's just endless, endless hours of rehab. You feel like your whole team is leaving you behind. Um, everyone's out there playing for something, and – you know, trying to make moves, trying to win position battles, and you're isolated by yourself, going through rehab in the training room, and your best friend is now an intern trainer instead of guys that you play football with. Lots of great conversation. <laughs> right. So it's a, it's a lonely world, and sometimes it feels like you're never going to make it back. So the fact that he put in that much work to only come back and – Retear that ACL right at the beginning of training camp. I really feel for him. Don't know what the future holds. Don't know if he's going to be able to get a six-year medical or if he wants to do that. But um, I, I just – I hate it for the kid. I really do. At that point, he's just a – don't you become an honorary doctor if you get that six-year medical red shirt? I, I think so. Um, you know, I played four years at Oklahoma. Jason White was there – uh, before I got there, and he was there after I left. So I think he's got that that uh, degree you're talking about. Yeah, Doctor, now Doctor White. Now, one interesting thing about Caleb Kelly going down is it did lead to some conversations about the Mike linebacker position, and supposedly David Aguebu is just a monster in the middle teddy Ooh. what six four 250 pounds is that getting oh. you all hot and bothered oh buddy uh, uh, hang on. you need I'm, a second i'm uncomfortable here Gabe. six four 250 is going to be oklahoma starting mike linebacker he's got a good chance they're going to work him there um he's got a good understanding of what's going on there already just you know, rarely do you insert someone into something that they've never really done before, and you can kind of just tell that it's not perfect, okay? There's mistakes there, but you can tell that they get it, that Isn't, their eyes are in the right place and they're seeing things the way they should. Th this is feeling, you know, Aguebu, you, you just look at the frame, you would expect him to be an edge defender, right? But if he's coming along mentally, this has a – Kenneth Murray type feel to it. A guy that thought he was going to be an edge guy. Now, clearly, Guaybu a bigger, bigger guy than Kenneth, but I it's gonna is it gonna work? Is it tell me it's gonna work? It's gonna work. Yes. Uh, I mean yes. I'm telling you, dude, and 
Kenneth Murray was a big dude, okay? But Kenneth Murray was 6'2", 240. Agwebu dwarfs Kenneth Murray at Mike Backer. Did you ever play against Erlacher? I did not, thank God. Erlacher is, you don't, for some, it doesn't look like it with Erlacher, like whenever he's out on, on the field, on film, he runs really well. But Erlacher is gigantic. And that's how, I mean, Aguebu is that size. I mean, 6'4", 250, and he's a true sophomore. He's been there a little over a calendar year, and he's already 6'4", 250, put on about 30 pounds of muscle and looks good right now. He could end up being well bigger than that. And, you know, who knows? I just – to be able to have that size in there, in the box, that punch on some of those plays where, you know, just because of the nature of these offenses now, you got to ask your backers to two-gap every now and then. And having that size and that length is – it's different, you know, as a offensive lineman, Gabe, climbing on a guy that's 6'4 and has that type of reach than on a guy that's six foot. Uh, yeah, that'll make you, that'll make you think twice about your approach up to the second <laughs> level. There's no doubt. Now, another guy banged up for the Sooners, Tanner Mordecai dealing with a hammy. Now, Teddy, we've talked about kind of the soft tissue stuff. OU was the first to report or was the last to report. And then the first to practice some of these soft tissue issues were going to come up. I, I didn't think it was going to be a quarterback though. That yeah. just, that's now that is not ideal for Mordecai to win the job, right? It's and I know there's a lot of OU fans that just think it's a done deal, but Lincoln Riley has his methods and he wanted Mordecai to be able to really push Rattler. So you hope Mordecai can get the full speed and get up and going and that way that that QB competition, you talked about that anxiety, kind of that stress that the QBs feel when that competition's going on. We need to get this hammy right immediately. Yeah, and I mean, it just depends on how bad it is. Hamstrings can be anywhere from, you know, a week, 10 days, if it's just like a really light strain, to eight weeks if it's a really bad uh, pull and tear. Don't know what it is for Tanner. Um, if it's more on the, the long side and – you're talking four, six, eight weeks type of type of injury, then you have to at least consider that he may opt out. And I don't know how that's going to be perceived by the NCAA if a guy opts out after he's already been hurt in training camp. But, you know, in his eyes, now that he's going to be sidelined for a training camp, he may feel that I got no shot to win the starting job. I might as well try and save a year of eligibility. So um, that's what you kind of worry about with Tanner Mordecai. And then you're talking about a redshirt freshman and a true freshman as your, as your quarterbacks. Yeah. Scholarship not an ideal, guys anyways. Yeah, yeah. Not an ideal situation, but hopefully that Rattler kid is as good as we think he's going to be. Now, one more injury for the Sooners. Sounds like Justin Harrington, the Juco safety is He's got a bit of a knee issue, kind of up in the air, whether or not he's going to be out for the year. I know a lot of OU fans were excited to see if he could start along DTY, alongside DTY, um, maybe pushing Pat Fields for that other safety position, but doesn't sound like that's going to happen. So 
kind of the injury bug biting for the Sooners week one of training camp. Teddy, never, never what you want to see, but once again, it's, it's part of the game, man. I don't, I don't know what, how else to say it. People get hurt playing this game. Yeah, it is. Um, it's frustrating, and I don't think that's the only one. I think there's some rumors floating around today that there's a, an Achilles tendon tear uh, with a player as well. So um, it's been it's been bad. They've been bit by the injury bug early. Now you do worry about them being uh, showing up late, not being in shape, and then being one of the first teams to get out there in training camp, maybe before they're ready. You just don't know. I mean, some years you go through training camp and you don't have any injuries. Some years you guys show up, they're ready for a great season, had a great summer. You feel like your team's in the best shape they've been in in a long time. And you got guys popping ACLs and hamstrings and shoulders left and right. So you're really, it's hard to ever really pin it on that if that's the case, but I know it sure doesn't help. And hopefully, um, we start to get some better news there. Right. Uh, one more piece of local college football news. OSU started training camp today. Huh? It has been – They have a football team? I, had, I hadn't noticed. It has been radio silence from Oklahoma State football on social media. Every, I mean, just – I have no idea. I, I want to give you guys an update on what's going on with Oklahoma State because, believe it or not, some Oklahoma State fans listen to this podcast, but we just haven't been getting anything from Oklahoma State football, and all of a sudden, they're on the field, and they have started their acclimatization. Is that the right word? Is that how you say that Ooh, word? Look at that. Acclimatization. Hey, if I say I it faster, do I sound it. smarter? Acclimatization. You know, it sounds less like likely that that's the proper pronunciation. But Acclimation. I think it's right. Acclimatization. It, it's one of those. But they're playing some football, and so that means they'll have one more practice, I would assume, today and then it'll be time to strap the pads on there in Stillwater. so that's exciting what episode is this for us 31 31 this is episode 31 i feel like episodes like three four and five were heavy mike gundy and oklahoma state because it was right whenever we started the the podcast and then it was the hottest story in the country that's like 27 straight episodes with not one peep from Oklahoma State. So <laughs> when I mean radio silence, it has been, I mean, there's just been nothing, no information. They put out a couple of hype videos for a couple of players and that's it. But I, that's I don't good. know. I, I was excited to see him out there though. That means things are going well from a testing perspective for them that they've contained. And so, hey, it's exciting news. It's exciting news for Big 12 football, exciting news for football in the state of Oklahoma. All right, Ted, let's move on to the National College Football Roundup, and that is brought to you guys by Insurica. Do you own a business? If you do, you need Insurica in your life. Insurica is one of the country's largest insurance brokers with 30 offices throughout Oklahoma, Texas, and the Southwest. Insurica is able to customize programs by accessing the latest information from many insurance carriers. They compare and contrast coverage options and pricing in order to design a cost-effective, comprehensive program to meet your business's specific needs. Insurica's clients become best-in-class businesses by working with Insurica's 
team of advisors to manage risk. Purchasing insurance is only one way to protect your business. Best-in-class businesses win by avoiding a loss in the first place. If your business partners with Insurica, you'll save huge amounts of money and take back control of your total cost of risk. I'm an Insurica client, and you should be too. If your business wants to be best-in-class, connect with Insurica at insurica.com. That's I-N-S-U-R-I-C-A dot com. Teddy, the NCAA actually, they did something. There, there, were, there were things done, accomplished by the NCAA. Now, the NCAA Board of Governors decided to let each division in college athletics make a decision about their fall sports championships. It was quick that D3 and D2 canceled everything. Uh, we all saw that coming. But a decision for D1 has to be made by August 21st. I don't know why they set that as the date. August 21st. Okay, it's like they just were like, you know what? Let's pick a random day. Okay, 21st, sure. Uh, I got a tea time early on the 23rd. Afternoon of the 21st really looks good. Yeah. Okay. Here's Are you about what, to go negative Teddy on me? It's that, that well, was a negative Teddy sigh. It's not necessarily negative. It's just confusing. You know, the NCAA right now, under a lot of pressure, right, with, you know, the, the Pac-12 players getting together and asking for demands, asking for revenue share, asking that coaches stop being paid uh, these massive salaries. Um, Big Ten has followed suit with some of those type of demands as well. So the NCAA leaves it up to each division um, to come up with their decision. Well, two and three, it's, hey, quick, not safe. We're not going to put our players out there. Well, division one, we know what they're going to say, Gabe. They're going to play football. That's what they're going to decide. Now, are we going to finish the season? Is everything going to go just uh, perfectly smooth? I doubt it. I don't know. But they're going to decide that they're playing football. Would you agree with that? I would. I mean, yeah. It, once again, yeah. there's too much money at stake. There just is. That's just the truth. And that's it. That's the problem with what the NCAA did here is they've highlighted the glaring fact that it's all about the money. They've just highlighted that. Ah, Division three, no, nah, we can't risk it. Division two, no, nah, we can't risk it. Division one, oh, yeah, we're going to play. It's no big deal. It's fine. They've highlighted the one thing that they're trying to avoid right now by allowing each division to govern themselves and come up with their own decision. We all know that the coronavirus doesn't spread more easily in Division Two and Division Three. It probably spreads less easily with smaller crowds and smaller amount of people gathering for those events. So that's just the one thing is – I, I feel like they've kind of shot themselves in the foot here. Now, in the grand scheme of things, it's not going to really matter. Division one's gonna gonna, you know, decide that they're gonna play football, but I feel like this is just more ammunition to launch at the NCAA about division one and big time power five football. They don't care about players, they don't care about anything, they only care about money. I'm fine with that. I don't care. <laughs> I, I, Me too. I don't. I'm fine with it. And I, I know exactly. You're talking about the optics. That's and it. Yep. 
Division two and Division three canceling everything. It makes it even worse. It does. It makes the optics even worse. And I'm fine with that. And I think there's going to be a lot of Division one college football players that are fine with it too. That are going to say, okay, yeah, I understand, but I want to play. Uh, one quick update. Thunder smacked the Lakers' ass, 105-86. Let's go. Now, the Lakers shot the ball horribly, but no big deal. Without Schroeder, no I would big deal. probably shoot the ball horribly uh, right after I locked up the number one seed the day before as well. Yeah, that's a good point. Now, the NCAA actually did do something. Teddy, they put some you, – you mentioned kind of the Big Ten getting into the demand realm as well. The Pac-12 players, very vocal, made their demands very public. And the NCAA did something about it. So they put a couple things out there that I thought were good. If players opt out, schools have to honor their scholarship. Makes perfect sense. And now the NCAA has made that a rule everywhere. I guess some schools hadn't announced that publicly, which that's just weird. Okay. But they also said that each division must let players know by August 14th if they will get the year of eligibility back if they opt out. Now, clearly, mm. I would assume since D2 and D3 canceled that everyone's keeping their eligibility. But Division One, the, the wording of this was very interesting to me because they probably could have just said, hey, you have to give them their eligibility back if they opt out. They, they left this in the hands of – the board of directors of division one. I, and I'm not entirely sure because you would think that all of these kids will be able to keep their eligibility if they opt out. But then you realize that that may not be the case, like, or else they just sort of said, Hey, everyone gets to keep their year of eligibility. Right. Well, Gabe, I mean, you know, as well as Am I, I too do. skeptical, I feel like I'm too skeptical. Well, well, hang on now. You know as well as I do that anytime a rule is issued, people are going to game the system. And if you're telling me that a player who maybe just redshirted last year as a freshman um, can now opt out this year, keep his scholarship, keep a year of eligibility then what's keeping a coach from going to a player and saying hey i know you're going to be a, a redshirt freshman this year but joe blow's got one more year at mike backer he's going to be a senior we think you're going to be great but you're not going to win the job this year what would be awesome is if you didn't lose a, a year of eligibility and you opted out that way you're going to be ready to have a full four-year run at it after being here two years learning our system it's going to be the best thing in the world for you and you, you think just, that conversation is going to happen and you can just work out the entire time now maybe Girls. not at our facilities but you can just get jacked yeah that's going to happen a lot isn't it if they say hey you that's, can keep I your think year that's of eligibility I think that's the holdup. That's what they've got away is like, what are the chances that people take advantage of this if we allow them to keep their eligibility? And my guess is 100%. <laughs> yes, yes. And the NCAA also said that there cannot be any COVID-19 liability waivers 
that players have to sign. Uh, I think that that makes sense. I, I'm sure that there's some lawyers at some schools that aren't thrilled with that, but uh, the NCAA also said that schools have to cover any COVID-19 related expenses for athletes. Now, I assume that's in the short term. I'm not entirely sure about the long term because, I mean, we've seen that this virus can cause some long-term damage. I, I don't know what, how that reads, you know, from a legal perspective. That that's going to be interesting. And then my favorite thing, the NCAA did. They took a page from the NBA bubbles book, and they established a snitch line. Teddy, you can call and snitch. You can also email and snitch. It's for players and parents to report non-compliance at schools. You know, when it comes to COVID-19 protocols, I'm sure that that won't get utilized at all. Not one bit. Total disaster. I would, I mean, let's be honest. I'd be calling the snitch line anonymously and reporting Texas for non-compliance. Uh, I'm, this is Miss Ellinger, you know, this is Sammy's grandma. And, you know, he told me that, uh, he's just not happy there. They're they're not compliant. You know, they're um, not testing their guys. I'm Herman. He he won't stop kissing my grandson. <laughs> he passed him the COVID to a kiss. <laughs> you know, I mean, come on. Uh, again, if there's a route the to abuse, the stupidest part of this podcast we've ever had. I love it. If there's a route to abuse something, it's gonna happen. So the NCAA instead of uh finding people that are paying recruits and actually cheating, they're going to be sifting through thousands of fraudulent uh, non-compliance anonymous phone calls. And, you know, here's one thing about that waiver though. Here's the guy, this has got to be the tough thing for, for colleges. What have we heard with the NFL as far as if a guy breaks protocol, goes out and parties and catches the virus? I mean, he's suspended without pay, right? right, and can be fined dramatically. Well, the NCAA sitting here like, well, hang on a second. You're telling me that if we've got, uh, we've got these rules in place, we've got a protocol in place, and a player breaks that and goes to a, a toga party at a fraternity house on a, you know, Wednesday night and gets the coronavirus, like we're we're on the hook for that, and who knows what could happen from it. So. I'm sure that's their problem with the the uh, liability waiver there, but I'm, they're going to have to eat it. I'm sure that wouldn't result in any legal battle down the line, <laughs> right? right? Uh, okay, now, big news in the national college football scene. The Big Ten schedule is out. Ten-game conference-only schedule. Teams playing five home games, five away. Opening games are slated right now for September 3rd to 5th. But those games can be moved to September 12th, 19th, or 26th. If you're confused, fear not, because I did some counting. 41 of the games in the Big Ten can be rescheduled because they had some scheduling genius create a a matrix for it. So, like, you can move all the pieces around like it's a beautiful mind. it's, It's pretty intricate, but... The last conference games of the year will be November 21st, and they'll have the Big Ten Championship game December 5th, or it's scheduled 
for December 5th, but it can be pushed to December 19th if they need it. So it's a pretty interesting concept. Now, Ohio State, Michigan, this was made into a big deal for some reason. I think Lincoln, or uh, not Lincoln Riley, Urban Meyer said that it was, I don't know, it's like heartbreaking or something. He just he used some ridiculous phrase, but Ohio State, Michigan is going to get played October 24th. So this was all pretty exciting. You've got games, you've got a ton of flexibility built into it because you consulted some scheduling nerd. So you've, you've got all these pieces that can move around. And then Commissioner Buzzkill had to open his mouth. Kevin Warren comes out and said, well, yeah, um, it's exciting. You know, I feel comfortable putting out a schedule, but there's no guarantee we play football in the fall. And we just put it out for planning purposes. I was like, what the hell, bro? Like, can we not just have like five minutes to be excited about this schedule before you shit all over it? Like, I just didn't understand. It's like, like I just. I don't want anyone getting excited or anything. We're still, a, we still may not play these games. Yeah, I just, I, I get it, you know, being realistic about it, but can we just enjoy it for five damn minutes? Unbelievable. Um, first of all, I want a cocktail matrix where I can change ingredients and plug them in and still have uh, a great cocktail. Uh, I just want some type of matrix for something where I can replace things and move stuff around. I wish I was smart enough to create a matrix. But moving Ohio State, Michigan earlier up into the season is a no-brainer. I don't care if it breaks Urban Meyer's heart. Um, he's got to well, be, be, st- be careful with that guy's heart. Chill. Yeah, no doubt. Bad ticker. Um, here's the thing. Anyone can understand that the biggest game in the Big Ten is what game, Gabe? I would assume most people would say Ohio State, Michigan, even though Ohio State has beat them 15 out of 16 times. You nailed it. That's exactly right. The biggest game in the Big Ten is Ohio State, Michigan. Now, if you're not able to finish the season and you may have to cut the season off at some point, wouldn't you want to at least get the revenue from the biggest game your conference plays all year? And wouldn't you want to move that up to help ensure that? That would make a lot of sense to reasonable people, to people that think logically. I would say, yes, that makes makes perfect sense. Now, the Big Ten also announced they will test twice each week using a third-party lab. So part of me wonders if this kind of sets a standard for the Power Five. I know that because there's a lot of very highly respected institutions of higher education in the Big Ten, right? And – they set the bar pretty high. I was, I was pretty impressed, kind of shocked that they came out and they're like, yep, we're testing twice a week. We're going to use third-party lab. Like, we're taking it extremely seriously. Like, there's some very strict protocols in place for the season. I'm sure some of the other Power Five commissioners saw that and went, oh, wow, okay, yeah, that's expensive. Yeah, I got to tell you, the third-party lab – I think is bad news. I really do. Um, 
I think one of the reasons a lot of these universities have had the success that they've had is because they're using their own labs. I'm not suggesting that they're uh, falsifying the test. Fudging it, the numbers? Are they fudging the numbers? Although it'd be a great way to do it, you know. Um, I'm not suggesting that that's what's happening. What I'm suggesting is if you're processing 100 or 200 tests twice a week in a lab, I'd say there, it's a lot less likely for false positives and cross-contamination of samples. You know, I know you've probably seen the Matthew Stafford ordeal where he has two false tests, then a third is a positive, and then right after that he has two more negatives. So the test in between in the middle was a false positive, and, you know, at first he was thrown into quarantine, and, like, I don't know what the standard would be for all the college football if there's a false positive, and there's no reason to really weigh down the conversation with that, but I do think that the, the third-party lab is a danger zone, and some of these labs are processing 20,000 samples a day in, you know, massive quantities. And I'd be worried about getting false positives out of that and cross-contamination. Yeah, I'd be worried, too, if you get ethered like the NFL did by Matt Stafford's wife, Kelly. Oh, my <laughs> gosh. That was awesome. All right, Ted, uh, the SEC has announced its training camp format, and it is a little different. Now, remember, the SEC season is not starting until September 26th, but SEC teams were still expecting to start camp this weekend. Well, that is not happening. The conference has changed the format, hoping to give schools more flexibility because of, of course, coronavirus concerns. So August 7th, to the 16th, schools have 14 hours per week for workouts, walkthroughs, and meetings. And then starting August 7th, August 17th, up until kickoff, so that's 40 days, schools are allowed 25 practices, 25, with a limit of 20 hours per week of practice time. So your normal 20-hour rule, which is normally what you have during the season, now, there's a five-day acclimatization, acclimation, acclimatization, <laughs> I think that's the word, period to start, and players get two days off each week. Now, that's a lot of practice, but two days off each week, that's pretty dang good. I, I, I saw this schedule, and I thought, you know what? This is pretty well thought out. I, I kind of like it. I kind of like all the breaks that are built into it, 25 practices over 40 days. That seems like a lot on your body. But with the off days built in, I'm a fan of what the SEC is doing here. Now, used to an off day meant two hours of meetings in the morning, uh, a lift, a condition, and then two hours of meetings in the afternoon, dinner, and then two hours of meetings in the evening. But during this, in college football now, a day off means you cannot go to the facility unless you're there to get treatment, correct? I, I'm not sure about this case, but that, that's kind of like the off day now is like an off day. Yeah, 
you couldn't even you can't even have guys come in to do interviews like for the the replay show anymore. yeah for the coaches show that's why right. people always ask why why are there no players on lincoln's show you know the sunday recap show and speak because by the way you can blame ty darlington for that <laughs> he was one of the one of the people that spearheaded the uh, give the players a day off thing thanks ty but um so i uh, know i like that schedule but dude don't you know that it is eating the SEC coaches, players, fans alive that Ohio State's going to be playing on Thursday night, September 5th, and they don't have a game for another three weeks, that's going to feel like a freaking eternity for the SEC. I don't even – do you, do you think they'll be okay? Like the fans, like the players are going to be fine, right? This They've got all this structure, but like what are SEC fans going to do when other conferences are playing and they are not? I, well, Teddy, I don't think they're going to take it well, man. I don't think they're, they're going to take it well at all. It's a good thing that, you know, a lot of these or probably all of these stadiums are going to be limited capacity because I feel like the SEC fans would go there just to chant, that the Big Ten sucks and have their SEC signs at those games. So uh, I don't know what they're going to do, honestly. Just show up to other people's games <laughs> to tell them how much better the SEC is. There'll be football. people wearing Bama gear and LSU gear all over the country. That would I would actually respect the hell out of that. Now, <laughs> another development in the national college football scene, high-profile players are starting to opt out. Now, we saw Caleb Farley – the defensive back from Virginia Tech, who is a potential first-round pick. We saw him opt out last week. Now, this week, we've seen Minnesota wide receiver Rashad Bateman announce that he will opt out, clearly citing concerns about the coronavirus, and he's just going to start training for the combine for next year. This is an All-American type player. I think he was third-team AP All-American. He's number 19 on McShay's big board. So that's certainly – Certainly a big deal, there's no doubt. And there's going to be more guys to do this. I don't expect hundreds of guys or anything like that, but then I saw Micah Parsons in that report that he's going to opt out. When I saw that, my reaction may surprise some people. I wasn't like, oh, man, I don't get to see him play. He's probably the best linebacker in all of college football, maybe the best defensive player in all of college football. I was like, good for him. That's a smart decision. You're going in the top five, maybe at the worst, the top 10. I can't really blame the kid. This seems like the smartest thing he could do for his future. And other players are going to opt out. I understand that. The one question I have, because we're seeing kind of some studs opt out, right? Farley, projected first-round pick. Bateman, first-round potential. If he tests well at the Combine. Parsons, slam dunk, top 10 pick. What happens with the guys that are, you know, contributors, but they opt out? Like, what happens with those guys? What are they going to do? Like, because they can't be around the team. That's one thing. I know that for a fact. You can't opt out. This is not a half in, half out situation. If you opt out, you can't be around the team. You can't come in the facility. Hell, I wouldn't even want those guys around my guys in the dining hall. If I got a guy that opts out that's living with some of my starters, I don't want them living together because you don't know what the guys that opt out are going to be doing. 
You would hope since they opted out. <laughs> but they opted out. Hey, Teddy, they would never go out and have a good time. They opted out for safety reasons because they Fair. were concerned. Fair. I mean, you're right. I don't know what's going to happen with those guys. You would think that um, at that point when you opt out, you have now become, although you're on athletic scholarship, you have now become a normal student. Um, you're going to Gross. school. You um, – I mean, I don't know what the study hall stuff is going to look like right now this year um, with all if the guy opts out. Together. Listen, you can you can do virtual study hall, and I think there'll probably be a lot of virtual study hall anyways. But listen, if I'm a head coach and a guy opts out, I respect his decision. You honor the scholarship, but then I treat him like a leper, like legitimately. I don't want you anywhere near the team like physically but you can still be involved in meetings maybe virtually i'm sure they can work that out but you're essentially trying to turn your locker room into a bubble right we've seen it work in the nba we've seen it work in the nhl you have to do what is best for your team from a virus exposure standpoint and I think what's best for your team is to shun the guys that opt out. I really do. I know it sounds harsh, but that's what you have to do. You just have to do it. Well, I agree with that. Uh, I, think, I think that's probably most likely what's going to take place. Now, um, the issue here that I see, I mean, it's not really an issue, but what I could, could see happen is we've heard for years now, you go all the way back to Jadavion Clowney. Um, he doesn't, there's no way he needs to play another season of college football. He is a, he's a top five pick. Uh, he's got the body. He's got the physicality for it. There's no way he needs to play another year of college football. All he's doing is open himself up to injury. Well, we've, and we've seen guys start to not play in bowl games, opt out of bowl games. Now we haven't seen guys, at least that come to mind right off the top of my head that have opted out of those final seasons. But this is giving those guys cover to do it to where they're not hammered by teammates, coaches, fans, and the like, and the NFL even uh, questioning their competitiveness. This gives a little bit of cover for that. So, number one, I wonder if we start to see some other guys from non-competitive teams. Now, I know Penn State is a team that's got a chance to compete for a playoff. But they're a, they're a fringe team. I wonder if we see anyone from a legitimate national championship contender as we see it right now. Ohio State, Clemson, Alabama, Georgia, um, Oklahoma, throw them in the mix. I, I just – I wonder if that's going to happen. I don't think it would happen from a team that has a chance to win, guys that have a chance to win an award or be a, uh, a national champion. I just don't think that's going to happen. Do you? I, I don't, but then there's that thing in the back of my mind that says, hey, this is all about money. And normally right now we're talking about that being about, hey, football being played. But these big-time prospects, right, these guys that have first-round potential, they're thinking about that. They're thinking about the risk-reward. The risk-reward. If Trevor Lawrence 
had won the Heisman last year and won a national championship last year, do you think he'd be opting out? He would be doing head and shoulders commercials right now <laughs> and wouldn't even think about playing football. There's no way. I, I just I, – I think – I think there's going to be some more big name guys. Yeah. Now, I wonder I if there's. Is, the I wonder guy from the Big Twelve. I think it'd be Chuba Hubbard. Chuba Hubbard, and he already has made it. And Tylen Wallace came out and said that he's not going to opt out. So I, I just don't know. I I don't know if Chuba Hubbard is going to opt out. Well, then why'd he come back? Right. I I don't know how much he thought he was going to improve his draft stock, and maybe he doesn't. I hope we see him play, but if he opted out, I wouldn't judge the guy at all. You keep more tread on the tires, right? So I'd Penn Sewell, Oregon. He should opt out because he's going to be a top five pick. If I was him, see ya, see ya. I, I and I, I feel like that. You know, Oregon's a team right now that's kind of on the verge, and probably feels like they're close to breaking over and getting back into the mix. So. You know, I, and I know he's this their stuff comes best up. player. Yeah. I know this stuff always comes up. And, you know, if I was ever in that position, I, maybe my opinion would be different. But, I mean, my God, aren't you in college football to win a championship? Isn't that why you're there? I know the NFL is alluring and, and you know, it's you got a chance to go make a ton of money. Let's not act like Trevor Lawrence doesn't have a $10 million insurance policy on him this year, paid for by Clemson. So, right. I mean, it's not like they're, they're either going to be drafted number one overall or, you know, make zero dollars. Be homeless, living right. on the I mean, streets. That's not the case. So, I mean, I get it to a certain degree, but on the other end of it, it's like, my God, there's nothing better than competing for a championship in college football. It's the best thing there is. Maybe, maybe competing for a championship in high school football. That you're in Texas. Yeah, hell yeah, brother. All right, one more thing in the National College Football Roundup. Pac-12 players, a little update on their situation. And now the Big Ten players have some demands as well. Uh, Larry Scott sent Pac-12 players a letter saying the conference is following all the medical advice they're getting from the medical experts. Pac-12 players didn't exactly take that well. And now the ones, the Pac-12 players in California – are trying to get an executive order from Gavin Newsom saying that they can keep their eligibility for sure if they opt out. And they are also trying to establish a third-party system for testing. So we'll see how that goes. I feel like those kids just have to be tired. Like you're getting ready to play a season and you're doing all this. You got to be exhausted. And then the Big Ten players, they came out with a list of demands. And some of them got addressed by what the NCA put out there. But the Big Ten also had a few things that weren't addressed. They want whistleblower protections, which I thought was a hilarious phrase. They want penalties for noncompliance. They also want an automatic medical redshirt for any player who has to miss games because of coronavirus, which I thought was, you know, kind of reasonable, but also, eh, what happens if you come back and play after you recover? I don't know. But then a little birdie told me that some Pac-12 players had a Zoom call with some OU players this week. Oh. And 
We'll see if anything comes from that. The only thing that makes me hopeful that we're not going to have to deal with a lot of the, with, you know, kind of this headache is no school in this country has been more cautious and has given more attention to detail than the University of Oklahoma. And if anyone's close, let me know. But nobody has been more cautious than Lincoln Riley and his staff, Joe Castiglione and his staff. Like, you can't be more detailed than what they've done. Like, they can't do anymore. I don't know what else. I don't know what else the players would want. But if something comes of this, then so be it. I'm sure Lincoln Riley will take it in stride, handle it well. But yeah, I was that was communicated to me, and I was like, ugh, ugh. But then again, who knows? Maybe nothing will come of it, Ted. But you seem thrilled about it. A couple of things. Uh oh. Um, number one, maybe this is why the Pac-12 sucks at football is because the last thing in the world that they're worried about is football. Okay. That's maybe that I think there's something glaring here. Number two, if I was in, in college playing football for Oklahoma and someone from the PAC 12 called me and said, man, you guys really need to look into getting third party testing. I'd say, dude, go make a cardboard sign. I'm watching film. Leave me alone. Number three, there needs to be a kill switch for Lincoln Riley to be able to kill the internet at Headington Hall just with the like a red punch button, like an easy button on his desk. Coach, we heard there's a Zoom meeting with the Pac-12, and he punches the easy button. T3 line are, canceled over are, at Headington Are you Hall. saying you want Lincoln Riley to have like Chinese government-style surveillance? <laughs> I'm not because that is not that is not the Teddy Lehman I know, especially on the political spectrum, sir. I am not not saying that. <laughs> hey, all I'm saying is be careful you, if you're using a university issued iPad. Be careful is all I'm saying. It, did you hear that Lincoln Riley is now sponsored by Huawei? Can you believe that? <laughs> That's crazy. All right, 5G uh, <laughs> towers right over there on top of Headington Hall. Just 5G everywhere. <laughs> yeah, they passed out new, new things for all the players. It's crazy. All right, Ted, let's move on to our segments. And since it is Thursday, you know, we got to wet the beak just a little bit. And wet the beak is brought to you by Tim Hughes Custom Homes. Are you looking to build your dream home? If so, Tim Hughes is the man you're looking for. Tim Hughes Custom Homes is a one-stop shop for all of your home building needs. He can find you a lot. He can find you an architect. He'll find you financing. And of course, he can build your dream home exactly the way you want it. Sounds too good to be true, right? Well, Tim found my wife and me a lot. He found us an architect and he built our new house that I'm doing this podcast from. And I am very happy and very comfortable. Tim and his team were so easy to work with. I never even had to threaten to kill him. Teddy, and you've built a home, so you know that that is rare. He's also built several office buildings. So if your business is looking to build a custom office, Tim Hughes is your man. You can see Tim's custom builds throughout Gallardia, Nichols Hills, Oak Tree, Stone Mill, and Rose Creek. It is a great time to build the house of your dreams. 
For more information and to see Tim's spectacular work, visit his Instagram page at Tim Hughes Custom Homes or visit TimHughesCustomHomes.com. All right, Teddy, let's wet the beak with the little PGA Championship, shall we? The first major of the year is upon us this week. PGA Championship at TPC Harding Park in San Francisco, which I would like to add is the most overrated city, not in the country, but in the world. San Francisco is the most overrated city on planet Earth. I stand when, by when's that. When's the statement. last time you went? Uh, about a year ago. Hated it still because we go to Napa a lot. Sometimes we fly into San Fran, and every time I just ooh ooh. Ew. What do you do? Try doesn't San Jose have an airport that you can fly into? You can get to Napa from San Jose. You can get to Napa from San Francisco. You can get there from Oakland. Uh, there's also a little airport called like Santa Clarita or something. I forget what it's called, but it's it's a little closer. It's the easiest one to fly into, but not a San Fran guy. I'm not. I, I don't like going to California to be cold. I don't like homeless people following me around, and I don't like walking around and it smelling like fish. I just – it's not for me, Teddy. It's just I'm, I'm not a San Francisco guy, and everything is ridiculously overpriced. Is there any truth to the homeless deucing on the sidewalks? Fact. Are you kidding me? Yes. Dude, I'm telling you, with the cost of living in San Francisco, and people are leaving that city at a rapid rate, like there's so many homeless people. How could and you not? It's – dude, it, it's not for me. That's what I'll say. San Francisco, San Francisco, it's just not for me. Okay, let's look at these odds for the PGA Championship at TPC Harding Park. Uh, these come from betonline.ag. You've got co-favorites at 10-1, to 1, Brooks Kepka and Justin Thomas. You've got DeChambeau, John Rahm, and Rory at 14-1. to 1. You've got Xander Shuffley, 18-1, to 1, Dustin Johnson, 20-1. to 1. And your boy, Teddy Tiger Woods at 28 to 1. Do any of those tickle your fancy whatsoever? Or do you got you, you got anyone that maybe some longer odds that you like? I none of these really tick, tickle my fancy. Now, for the folks out there that took my advice last Wednesday on the uh, wet the beak and took that 500 bucks from first fidelity and uh, threw it on the thunder or the clippers. And if you didn't waste all your money on booze and medical marijuana, there should be plenty left over to throw some down on a ticket for tiger woods. I'll tell you who I really like. I like Rory. I really do. The, the conditions are going to be similar to what they're like in the British open. It's going to be cool. Um, it could be a little bit windy. The ball's just not going to fly as far. So guys like DeChambeau, who's 41, that's an absolute joke. Uh, he's not going to win this week. And I know Tiger's 28 to 1. I would take a flyer on Tiger for a couple of reasons. I know he doesn't like the cold weather with the back. Uh, he likes it really hot so he can stay nice and loose and, and limber. But this isn't going to be a course that guys that are trying to just hammer the drive, they're going to be in trouble all day long. This is going to be about iron play. And Tiger Woods, 
whenever he's got it going and we know that he can still get it going from time to time, he is by far the best iron player in the world whenever he's on his game. That's the real strength of what he's got. So I would put a flyer on Tiger at 28 to 1. Of course you would. You're such a Tiger fan. And we I'd take a flyer on Tiger at 100 to 1 or 1000 to 1 or if, if he, he was, lost an arm, if he yeah. lost a leg, he was if he lost both arms. <laughs> now, I do have a couple predictions and it's going to be interesting to see how this course plays, but one one prediction I have I think Brooks Kepka is going to struggle. You mentioned the weather, and I know he played well. What was that, last week? But I think he's going to be a little underwhelming, and I know that that, is, that seems absolutely idiotic to say with the way that that guy plays in majors. Like, I feel, I feel dumb as it comes out of my mouth, but there's something about that knee that it, it just doesn't seem – like he fully trusts it. And I don't know. I, I, I just don't think that when we're looking at the leaderboard on Sunday that you're going to see Kepka near the top. I, I just don't think that that's going to be the case. And I know, Teddy, do I sound like an idiot with the success that this guy has had in the majors? Like, I, I sound like a dumbass, right? Yeah, I know. No, I actually agree with you. And I don't like saying that because I'm a, I'm a Kepka fan. I like him. I think, you know, he's got a ton of great strengths, but I think one of his best strengths is he is even kill and he walks around the course, whether it's uh, a major or they're playing in, you know, the whatever open, he doesn't give two rips. And if he's going to win – He's just out there to make fun of Bryson DeChambeau at this point. Right. That's exactly right. Kepka hates that dude. There's no doubt. I love it. I mean, and part of me feels like DeChambeau put on the weight because he knew he'd get pummeled last year whenever they almost uh, got into a little tiff there. But I I agree with you. I've seen Brooks Kepka more upset and frazzled on the golf course the last two or three weeks more than I've ever seen him ever. This is this is going to sound weird, but I don't think he's going to finish at the top of the leaderboard or near the top of the leaderboard this week simply from the look I've seen on his face mm-hmm. the last couple of times he's played. I know that sounds weird, but Teddy, as a you know, former professional athlete, now we weren't golfers, but guys do get this look when they know that they're just not quite right. Mm-hmm. And I think that's still where Kepka's at with that knee. Uh, I really do. Now, one guy that I do like, and he had a couple top tens in majors last year, and I think it's only a matter of time, Patrick Cantley at 25-1. to 1. I like his game. I think that – and I know it's the first major of the year, but – I'm expecting him to be in the mix on Sunday. I, I really think I think his game's incredibly consistent, and I think this course sets up well for him. So, give me if if I'm taking anybody, I'm give me Cantlay twenty five to one. I like it, and I also like if you can find it anywhere, take Jordan Spieth to not make the cut. He's going to be terrible. It's going to be atrocious. <laughs> 
guy cannot drive the ball to save his life. He had a lucky, like, 18-month run playing golf. He'll never get it back again. Just saying. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and on that note, we will move on to our winners and losers of the week. Winners and losers are brought to you by Advanced Weight Loss Clinic of Sand Springs. They'll help you execute a realistic and achievable weight loss plan designed for you and only you. They've got all kinds of treatments for men and women. They're licensed and trained experts combine diet and exercise with hormone therapies to maximize your results. If you're struggling with low libido or low energy, Advanced Weight Loss Clinic of Sand Springs can help with that too. They also offer Botox and fillers, you know, tighten it up a little bit. To get on the path to losing weight, call 918-241-LOSE or visit their Facebook page. If you mention the podcast, you will get a free fat burner injection. All right, Ted, who do you have as your winner of the week? I'm going with Steve Sarkeesian. Who, oh, my. Two and a half million? Dude, he got an $850,000 raise to $2.5 million as offensive coordinator for Alabama. Now, typically, whenever a guy gets a raise like that, it's off of something that was just brilliant the last thing in the world you would ever want would be for someone to hire him away from you. And I don't think that's how Alabama feels at all. I think he's very replaceable. I don't think that there would be a ton of teams lined up to hire him away from Alabama. And if they did, I don't think it's going to be a head job after the disaster he was at Southern Cal. And if it was a head job, it was going to be at a horrible school. So how, he finagled his way into an $850,000 raise to $2.5 million. I have no idea. But hats off, buddy. Yeah, I, I was very – let's go with perplexed when I saw this report. I was like, wait, was someone coming after Sarkeesian? Now, I, I don't want to poke fun at the man. He's had his battles with alcohol addiction, right? And seems like he's in a really good place. Very happy for him on that front. But $2.5 million for Sarkeesian? What the hell are they doing? I mean, why? My question, why? What, why are you paying him that much? Why? I mean, the only thing I could think of is maybe the NFL was back after him again because what he was the coordinator for the Falcons before he went to Alabama, right? Yeah, something like that. So my only guess would be that there was NFL coordinator positions that were coming around for him and said, Nick, I want to stay here. I like what I've got here. I like working with you. I like the quarterbacks that we have coming up, but you got to pump me up a little bit. So, I, but hey, can't be mad at him for, for getting that type of raise, man. Hey, get your paper. Get your paper, Steve Sarkeesian. We're all proud of you. All right, Ted, who do you have as your loser of the week? <laughs> I loved this story. My loser of the week is Michigan. Okay? Apparently, there's a Zoom call today that, and this happens every week, there's a conference call, Zoom call, that, the coaches of the Big Ten are on, and it's just the head coaches only. And they're kind of making their way around the meeting, and Ryan Day is speaking, and Jim Harbaugh cuts in and says, well, what are we going to do about you guys not complying with the rules? 
And apparently Ryan Day's like, I don't know what you're talking about. And Harbaugh calls him out and says, there's pictures of your coaches out on the field with players whenever they're not supposed to be uh, having any on-field coaching at this point. And I don't know. Apparently they go back and forth a little bit. And Ryan Day says, I don't know what you're talking about. And then the report is that Day goes into his team in a team meeting today, tells them a little bit about what went on, and says, I hope the Big Ten has a mercy rule because if they don't, we're going to hang 100 points on Michigan this year. Oh, yes. (laughs) The last thing Michigan ever wanted to do is give a team that beats them every year some ammo to to throw in the gun. Have they beat them eight years in a row? I think that's right. I think it's eight. I know it's 15 out of 16. I'm pretty sure it's eight in a row. I think it's only two times since 2000 that they've beat them or something crazy like that. Yeah, it's it's bad. It's bad. So, yeah, that's what – that's what Ohio State needed, more motivation to beat the, beat the hell out of Michigan. Yeah, that makes – great job, Jim. Great job. <laughs> that guy, that's a weird – he's just a weird dude. He's a weird dude, man. Tries a gotcha moment on a all-coach conference Zoom call. Love yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure Ryan Day will just forget about that. Uh, <laughs> all right, Ted, my winner of the week, patriotism. Now – there was lots of other developments and decisions made when it came to college football scheduling, right? The Sun Belt and the American are going with an eight plus as many as four non-conference games format, which I'm sure you love. UConn decided that, you know what, we're just not going to play at all. Okay, no one's going to miss you, UConn. No offense to – sorry, Dan Orlovsky. You know I love you, but no one cares about UConn football. And then – there's the Mountain West. Who, who loves America, Teddy? They love America. How do I know this? Because the Mountain West decided on an eight-conference game schedule plus two non-conference game. The main reason being they want Air Force to be able to play against Army and Navy. If the military academies can't play each other then we should just cancel this shit altogether, okay? So when I saw this, I felt the red, white, and blue coursing through my damn veins. I was so fired up and proud of the Mountain West Conference for doing this. It made me so happy. This is for America. We need this during this time if those kids can't play each other in football then no football should be played at all damn it finally a little bit of flexibility for the right reason right for something good something that we can all look at and agree should continue to take place yeah i think that's awesome i mean that's a tradition it's a it's a wild atmosphere atmosphere the cadets uh, clearly love what goes on in those games so Absolutely. That's a great move. I love that. I love that they did that. Yeah. It just, it put a smile on my face. And then I was like, well, I don't know if those games are going to happen. And then I was like, no, no, no. Back to patriotism and optimism, baby. Can't wait to watch the academies go at it. Now, triple we need, option. We need those teams playing each other to give 
the rest of the conference a break from the triple option that week. Oh, thank you. Someone God. does not have to defend it that week. Tool of Satan. Now, my loser of the week, I was ready to pile on Colorado State. I was prepared. I was locked and loaded. You know, they had people ignoring protocols. All these things, these, these scathing reports are coming out. And then a bunch of players are like, no, nah, that's not true at all. So I don't know what the hell to believe, so I changed it. So my loser of the week, Gary Patterson. Oh, GP, what are you doing? Now the story, the story, he was teasing TCU linebacker Dylan Jordan about something he posted on social media for National Girlfriend Day. Now, Dylan Jordan got his feelings a little hurt and called Patterson out in front of his teammates. That's not a smart thing to do with your veteran head coach. Gary Patterson didn't take that well, said he would send his ass back to Pittsburgh, Kansas, and eventually used the N-word during an incident on Sunday. That happened. He said it. He issued an apology on Twitter saying he should never use it in any context. And he's right. What the hell is he doing? Listen, this is not hard, people. If you are white, like Gary Patterson is, that is a very white man, he is also a very smart man. There is no circumstance where you can use that word. If that word is part of your vocabulary, first of all, stay away from me. I don't want to be associated with you. But second of all, erase it from your vocabulary. That word does not exist to you. It doesn't. You can't say it if you're repeating a quote. You can't say it if you're rapping along with the song, you just can't say it. It's not that hard. Don't say it ever. And I understand that TCU players called Dylan Jordan out saying that he didn't provide context to the story because Patterson was actually telling him to stop using that word in meetings. Like, I understand the story, but there's no excuse you're Gary Patterson. You're one of the most brilliant minds in all of college football. He knows better. There's no reason ever, no circumstance ever. I couldn't believe this story because I have so much respect for Gary Patterson. And I know he's a hard ass. Like I know guys that have played for him. I've had those conversations. Like he is a demanding head coach to play for. But he's also a really intelligent guy, and I was incredibly disappointed. I know that he is incredibly embarrassed, and I know one thing. Recruiting in the state of Texas is already competitive enough. You've got UT. You've got OU coming and taking the best players out of Texas. You've got Texas A&M and the rest of the SEC coming and trying to grab players. You've got Tech, right? You've got Baylor, who's back as a program. This is going to be used against him forever. Yeah. Forever. If a prospect is down to TCU and Texas A&M, 
and UT or whoever, this is going to come up if that prospect is black. And it's just, it's incredibly disappointing because I, I respect the hell out of Gary Patterson. I really do. And I just, I couldn't believe this when I saw it, Ted. I was, I was stunned. Well, yeah, you were stunned because obviously there's never a good time to use it. There's never any time to use it. But Gary Patterson must have been living on the moon for the last four months. He must have been stuck in his soundproof music studio or whatever it is that he's doing. Because if you had noticed, Gary, there's a little bit of racial tension going on around the country. But as I said, it wouldn't matter if there's no racial tension going on around the country. Gary, am I supposed to believe that Gary Patterson, how long has he been at TCU? Since 98, 99? Forever. I mean, over 20 years, right? He's been there over 20 years. Am I supposed to believe that after this incident with Dylan Jordan, that all of a sudden, Coach Gary Patterson has had an epiphany. He now realizes, Gabe, that he was wrong. And he should never use that word in any context. I've learned my lesson. I didn't know before now. How was I supposed to know that I couldn't use the word in any context. Are you kidding me? Seriously? You're right, Gabe. This is a smart guy. If this is a smart guy who's been in the game for 20 years with tons of black athletes, and this isn't the first time he's coached black athletes. He's been been doing it forever. Am I supposed to believe that all of a sudden it finally dawned on him after Dylan Johnson called or Dylan Jordan called him out that it's like, oh, my God, I n- <laughs> I'd never thought of that before. No, it's ego. It's ego. Gary Patterson thinks he can say whatever he wants, do whatever he wants, and there are no consequences for him. Or else there's no way that he would ever, for- I mean, forget the current climate of the United States, There's no way he would ever use that word in any context, in any situation, with any player, white or black. He never would do that if he didn't have the ego the size of Jupiter and feel like he can get away with anything that he wants. Yeah, that's that's really well said, Ted. And I guess the only hope – and he met with the leadership council of his team and – it sounds like they've worked through it, but a lot of those guys are never going to look at him the same. Do you think in the leadership meeting with the council from the team, he said, well, hang on, what about if I'm rapping the lyrics of a song? Can I say it then? Oh, well, okay, yeah, you're right. That's probably not a good idea. Any other questions, Coach? I know, I know you're there joking. Any other uh, Any other places that you think it may or may not be right i mean come on right i just it's like it it was it was literally unbelievable i know man i got the espn notification i was literally like there's no way i i was like this has to be an onion article like 
with what's going on right now with how long Gary Patterson has been doing this. I, I just, I, I still can't believe it. It's still, it's, it's ridiculous. I had the absolutely same exact, ridiculous. I went through the same thing. I, I saw like the, the tweet. Okay. Like here's what is alleged to have happened. And I saw the, the statement by Dylan Jordan. And then right after that, a couple minutes later, I saw people retweeting one of the TCU players that said, uh, Coach Patterson has never called any player on this team the N-word. This isn't true. And then I was like, okay, well, you know, something's going on here. And my cousin texted me. I was like, man, I heard it's fake. You know, I, he'd be – there's no way he's that stupid. Well, look, I guess I'm that stupid. And then he issues an official apology. I just – yeah, and – there may be some people listening to this going, you know, two white guys talking about this. Okay, <laughs> man. Like, yeah, whatever. But I can proudly say I've never used that word. So I, uh, I, I, I thought it was important to talk about. And I just, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if we'll see what happens at TCU, but I think it, I do think it's going to hurt them on the recruiting trail. And I do think some of the players in that locker room are going to hold it against them. I think that's just human nature. So all right, moving on. Let's get to everyone's favorite segment, and that is keeping it local, where we highlight what's going on in the great state of Oklahoma. And keeping it local is brought to you by Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School. As schools look to reopen in the fall, parents want to provide the best possible educational experiment. Experiment? That's not right. The, the best possible educational experience in spiritual development for their children. There's no better place for that than Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School. A one-to-one -one iPad setting makes McGinnis students fully prepared to continue high-level learning from home. A 12-to-one student-to-teacher ratio guarantees no student is overlooked. In addition to athletic programs and clubs, Bishop McGinnis's college prep curriculum offers 22 AP courses. Financial aid is available. For more information, visit bmchs.org. All right, Teddy, we've talked about it quite a bit. The Oklahoma City Memorial Marathon has officially been converted into a virtual marathon that will take place between October 4th and October 18th. This is such a bummer because that event is so much fun to attend. Now, I would never run in it because you're not going to find many people that are more anti-long distance running than me, but it's spectacular. I go to it every single year. It's just special, right? And they came out and said it would be irresponsible for them to have the actual race with the current coronavirus situation in the state of Oklahoma. And all the people that are currently registered will automatically be transferred to the virtual race. And if anyone doesn't want to run in the virtual race, they can donate their entry fee to the memorial or they can defer it to 2021 or 2022 they're trying to accommodate everyone by doing that now runners have to make that decision by august 12th so you know kind of got got to decide pretty soon but it, it's just a bummer man i i love that event it, it's so cool for oklahoma city it's so cool for the state of oklahoma so many people around the country there's people from around the world that come and run in that and once again the uh the overarching theme, the coronavirus, it's just, it's just a real asshole. It really is. 
It is. So what is the virtual race? So I assume you're supposed to like run your marathon or your 5k or your half marathon or whatever. And just like, do it i i don't like gp I, is it like a gps deal like where you like have I a think, gps yeah you just at, like you go run the course or something or you just like go run a marathon on by yourself or like you do it on a treadmill or i i i don't know i'm not gonna do it full disclosure now i'm gonna support it i'm gonna donate to the memorial but yeah i don't know how people are gonna approach this that uh what just like walk around the house Virtual. I'm. I'm. I've started my virtual marathon. Yeah, I don't know how that that takes place. Um, I'm sure more. De- they said more details will come out in the coming weeks. I'm sure that like the ways, different ways people are supposed to. I. I don't know. Don't you just like run it on your own? Is that how think, it works? Maybe I was thinking like if it was a GPS thing, I was thinking about registering for the virtual and like doing it on a bicycle and breaking the record or something. I don't know. They maybe they'd know. They'd probably know that I didn't run it that fast. But. You're like that lady that didn't some lady get on like the yeah. subway at the New York at City the Marathon Mar- or, or Boston New- Marathon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, can't do that. That's cheating. Uh well, hey, I mean, I understand. I'm I'm glad that they're still putting it on in whatever capac- uh, capacity that they can. Uh, you're right. It's a cool event. My wife went and ran the half there one year. That was a lot of fun. I went out there and uh, watched her come across the line. So that was really cool. Yeah, you're right. It's, um, I don't know. I guess it's also something that maybe doesn't feel right in the fall also, but it's just, it's a big part of this city and it's become a, a, a really huge event. Gosh, this is what the 25 year anniversary, right? Yeah, it's so, just, uh... It's supposed to be a special one, clearly. But, yeah, it's okay. It'll be back and better than ever next year. So, just unfortunate. Uh, I was excited. My mom runs the half, and I was excited to support her in that. But, yeah, just a bummer. I feel like I've said that a lot about a lot of things. How much would it take for the listeners to the Oklahoma Breakdown podcast to pledge to uh for donate me to, for to me to memorial. run for you to, to run, run half half marathon a half marathon what's the number that the the listeners need to pledge to get you out there to run the half for the oklahoma city memorial thousand dollars a mile 13k oh dude We're is that not enough there. did i did i you did i go under, too low yeah and it's too late to take it back they all heard it 13k Damn it! Did I just set myself up? Well, I'm not. I want to make it clear. I'm not running this one. Maybe next year. <laughs> yeah. Dude, I okay. went to. Although I'm healthy as a horse, went to the doctor today for my annual physical. First of all, blood pressure 120 over 80, so the model of perfect blood pressure. And then how about this? 242, baby, getting back up Whoa. there. Let's go. Uh, first thing I do is really lean out. Look at those guns. It looks Let's like all, all of the weights going back to the biceps. <laughs> You're damn <Nice>. right. <laughs> all right, Ted. Episode 31 in the books. We'll have a new podcast that will drop Monday morning. Just a reminder, you can hear Teddy from 2 to 6 on Sports Talk 1400. You can hear me on Sirius XM Big 12 Radio Channel 375. Hope you all have a great weekend. Until next time. 
We appreciate y'all for listening and do what you always do, Oklahoma. Take care of each other. Just one.